Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. It's 2017. And um, I'll tell you something. About 2017 here at City Life, we are, uh, we're going to get equipped this year around here to overcome some of the most common challenges that we face as, as people. Because I'm telling you guys, whatever you're facing, there's hope. And that's my message. There's a bright day that's ahead for you. So I'm just asking you guys to make the choice with me on January 1st to, to simply get equipped in 2017. I, see, I don't want a status quo life this year. I want to be challenged. I want to be pushed. I want to be prodded and coached and instructed. And I have influences in my life to help make that happen because I want to move my life to a different place. So I want to get equipped in 2017. And I'm not, I'm not looking for the comfortable or the easy route because I tell you, right now I'm using a personal trainer to, to finish up the, the work on my leg that needs to get all fixed up from the injury I had about a, over a year ago. And, and, uh, and, and, and it's not easy. And he's making me do these really terrible, horrible exercises that hurt. And I go home and I mourn and I weep and I cry. My wife goes, what's wrong? I said, it's so horrible and terrible, but I know it's good because I'm going to be able to run again and I'm going to feel really good in the days to come. See, being equipped is not about taking the comfortable, easy route. It's about looking for that challenge. It's about me. For me, it's about me simply being a different man than the man who said Happy New Year to my wife and my family and my friends this morning. So I've created a series of messages for this month called Launch. Can you say it with me, Launch? Launch. Thank you very much. Now these messages that I'm going to be sharing with you over this first, uh, the, these Sundays of this, uh, this month are going to position you, I'm telling you, they're going to position you and they're going to challenge you. All of them are very different. They're going to help prepare you to become a different person as well. Now as your pastor this year, I'm going to simply challenge you and I'm going to equip you to learn how to truly love. Learn how to, I'm going to challenge you to, to begin to deal with anxiety different. I, I'm going to equip you to, to receive healing from God. Uh, I'm going to help you to deal with anger. I'm going to equip you on how to receive hope. Men, guys, I'm going to challenge you to go beyond being male to be men. Yeah. I want to equip the guys in this church to be a man. I dare you to be here in the month of February, man. Gutsy men show up in February. I'll, I'll talk to you about how to be a man. I'm going to talk to you the, the way we talk about being a man around my house. It's funny because the other day I was at the, I was at the store. I was buying something at, at Target and, and the, the, the lady was checking me out and, and, uh, and she, she made a comment. Well, she wasn't checking me out. I don't know what she was doing, but she, she's doing her thing. And uh, yeah, this, this, you never know where this is going to go here. And... Uh, and, and she, was, she was talking to me. She, she, she said, so do you have kids? I said, I said, I have three men in the house. Can't you tell by the food I'm getting here? She goes, oh, men. She said, she said so wow, what's it like they're all in their 20s? I said, no. <laughs> she said, then you can't call them men yet. And I said, oh, no, in my house, the boys turn into men when I tell them to at the age of 12. And, and then her and then the lady and the two other ladies around me goes, oh, that's the most stupid thing ever. And they were like attacking me. I said, oh, no, no, hold on. Because in my house, I teach them how to treat women with respect. 
treat them how to, how to earn money, how to take care of themselves, how to, how to study, how to, how to present themselves publicly, and to, and to simply be men, not males. Women, if you know any guys need to get here. I, uh, you know, in, in 2017, I'm going to equip you to move past this thing of just hanging around to get engaged with what God is doing right here in your local church. And if you do, you're gonna, if you do come and hang out with us and, and, and you get engaged, I'm going to train you in how to deal with some of the complex questions regarding the reality of, of our faith because there are a lot of complex questions that people are asking. They may be asking you. I'm going to talk to you about how to overcome depression. I'm going to talk to you about how to break into peace. I'm going to talk to you about how to break the power of fear in your life. I'm going to talk to you about how to deal better with stress. And this year as your pastor, I'm going to equip you to be patient. I'm going to equip you on how to deal with loss and tragedy in your life. I'm going to equip you on what to do when you feel jealous and how to walk in joy when you don't even feel like it and how to overcome temptation. I'm going to provide with you strategies to overcome pride and what to do when you simply feel doubt in your life. And here's the amazing thing about it. The amazing thing about this is all of these answers are found in the person of Jesus. Now, if you've always just seen Jesus as being some religious figure out there that is, that is obtuse and is very, that has nothing to do with our culture today, then you're not, you've been presented with a wrong image of Jesus. It's about the message of Jesus, the life and death and the power of the resurrection of Jesus and how he has forgiven us as followers of him. And if you've been forgiven, then you're, you're going to begin to walk in this. We at City Life, I like to say we're Bible-based and we're Jesus-focused. And there's one thing I know about my faith. Our faith in Jesus is, is, is really about this. It's about putting the past behind you and pressing hard toward a new destination. In fact, that's actually core to what we believe and what we act upon. And today's a good day to talk about that because, see, God lives in us. And, and, and you can literally close the door on yesterday and on last year, and you can move boldly forward toward a new destination. And I, I'm simply calling you guys to that all of this month. And I'm going to call you just to be full of God's Spirit, re refusing to live in the shame and the darkness that you used to be living in because of what you did. There's no reason to live like that anymore. Because, see, we're not just called by God, though, to make ourselves better so we can have a diet plan so we can be skinnier or happier or whatever like that. Actually, really, the things God wants to do in us and things even you want to do in your own life, there's, there's a higher goal there. There's a higher purpose. For example, our military here in Fort Worth, they don't just train and they don't embrace discipline just to make themselves better, to feel better. No, the soldiers actually focus on making themselves better so that they can execute the mission. See, they're, they're called to a mission, and they have to be ready for that. And it's the same with us. See, God wants to do so much more uh, in our lives, but it's, it's for a calling, and it's for a purpose. It's for the mission of God. We have this mandate from God to simply make a difference in the world, wherever we go. See, because God dwells inside of us. Wherever we go, we're carrying God. And when God is present, when you walk on the scene, God is present. When God is present, amazing miracles can happen right here in your own city, right here in your business, right there in your family, in your home. See, when God's people train themselves in these disciplines to be sharp and effective and allow God to heal us, and, and th then we can begin to, to be healed of our past. And then we can begin to shift the cultures around us. I hope you will begin to see yourself that way. The way of seeing yourself as a person who shifts and changes cultures. Because honestly, I believe this. As, as, as believers, followers of Jesus, 
we can create uh, at least three different culture shifts around us. And uh, they're in our lives, uh, they're in our homes, and they're in our communities, and then even, even in, in your business as well. See, you're born for a purpose, and I want you to think about this. There's a reason why you were born, and for even, I believe, even when you were born. I, I was born in September of 1965. I know I'm the old guy in the room, but in spite of that fact, um, in, in spite of the fact that, that my family were, you know, just didn't live here in Fort Worth, it was, it was very interesting because I actually grew up, uh, I didn't grow up in a city. I wasn't born in a city. Yet on, on the other hand, I was always drawn to the city. And after graduating from high school, I took the plunge to move to the city here to prepare to follow my call as a pastor. And upon arriving, as soon as I got here, I was like, I know that the city is my purpose. And, and, and I'll tell you guys, I've long believed that the seeds of your calling and your purpose in life actually result from when you were born. I can't prove it, but I, I, I see it. I see it as a common thread in a lot of people's lives. In September of 1965, all the buzz was about the horrible decay in American cities, especially at the centers of the cities. You see, in the 1950s, residents began abandoning the hearts of the cities, and they began moving into these newly created suburbs. And, and it's well uh, described in the, uh, the edition of Look magazine, which hit the newsstands on the day that I was born. You see, I was not born in a city, though. I was born in a doctor's home in a tiny logging town in Randall, Washington. You've not been there, trust me. But my past didn't dictate my future. Get that, guys. See, because where I was born is not who I am. And, but, but when I was born speaks volumes to my calling and my purpose. On that day, the day I was born, Look Magazine stated these words. It says, our cities are seriously sick. Many of us are worried and some of us are ready to give up our cities for dead. You see, in September of 1965, pessimism ruled. But see, God allowed me to come into this world at that time to not do what everyone else was doing, to not act like everyone else, because something that happened in me is God simply put a heart of optimism in me and faith in me to break out and to simply be a person who would change culture. So let me tell you guys, you're not a victim. You're not a victim of where you were born. You're not a victim of the family you were born into. You're not a victim of the economic or the spiritual dynamic that surrounded you. You're not a victim of your DNA. You're not a victim of that disease or that illness. You're not a victim of what your company did to you or what your spouse did to you or what some guy or some woman did to you a long time ago. You're not a victim of the government. You're not even a victim of the culture. You're not a victim of what your parents did to you or didn't do for you. No. <laughs> you see, everything hell has tried to make you a victim of is exactly what God has chosen you to be a victor over for yourself and for others around you. And I'm telling you guys, you can be a powerful agent of change. And how do you do it? Well, you just simply choose to launch. It's kind of like a runner, eager to win the prize. The Bible says this. Paul wrote this in the scriptures. This is one of the, the men who was amazing transformation in his life. And he was the biggest missionary, the biggest missionary of the early days. He said these. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. Anything that slows you down. And the sin. So it's your two things. Sin and anything that hinders. 
that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, every one of us have a unique race. But we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfector of our faith. And now, that's it right there, guys. That's it. See, it's time to burst on the scene with force in 2017 and jettison your past because, guys, it's a new year and it's time to embrace God's will and God's plan for your life. God's plan is this, is for you to live as a victor rather than a victim. And I, I, I want to see the spirit of life and the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit just infused and injected in you like never before, like you've never known it. But here's my challenge. It's just simply this. Is you, to do this, you have to live with intention. Live with intention. I mean, starting today, just choose to do it because you are an integral part of God's master plan because you're a victor and there is a purpose in your life. And even, I believe, because you're here today. There are these two prevailing spiritual forces that operate in the world. There's the force of God and there's the force of Satan or sometimes I call it hell. But both of them are 100% real. See, Jesus describes those two roles this way. This is a powerful scripture found in John 10.10. He said, the thief, speaking of the enemy, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Have any of you faced theft, death, and destruction in your life? Okay, that's caused by hell. You see, you understand that. Now, Jesus now says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You might say, well, I thought God was here to try to beat me up and beat me down. No, that's not it. Gee, Satan has the negative plan for your life. And he has that plan, guys, because there's so much stinking potential. Stinking potential, yeah. Stinking potential in you to be a culture changer. And that's why Satan does everything possible to rob you of your effectiveness. He steals from you. He brings death and he destroys. But Jesus came into this world to counteract the works of hell that are trying to rob you guys of your potential. And Jesus came here so that you could have life and life to the full. So today, guys, you're not here by accident. Today is the launch of something amazing in your life if you'll let it happen. Today is the launch of something even amazing in our church. And whatever God's doing in you and whatever God's doing with us, it will take time to build. But there are huge rewards if you follow that plan. It's a new year. <laughs> I, I am not the Tim Woody of 24 hours ago, of 2016. I just made some choices, and you shouldn't be either. And, and, you know, if you're here and you've given your life to Jesus, you have to understand this. Your past is obliterated, and your best is yet to come. Paul also said it this way. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he said, <laughs> it just simply says the new creation in you has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I like that scripture because there's a lot that's in there, and I encourage you to look it up and read through it yourself. There's a lot more there because it talks about why God does initiate new things in our lives, why the new is important, because there's a purpose behind the new. But first of all, you're not who you used to be. You're changed, so you're an ambassador of Jesus actually into the culture of your home and your, your workplace and your city, and, and you are called by God to create and shift culture and simply rescue others from darkness. And guys, it's all about just simply loving people enough to touch their lives and influence their lives personally. Second Corinthians chapter 5, this, this passage goes on to say about how we're ambassadors and how we're, we're like missionaries launched into the culture. <laughs> That's really what we are. I mean, you're a missionary launched by God. 
I want you to say, I'm a missionary. I'm launched by God. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I happen to study that. I mean, it's kind of like my field, so I know how missionaries work. And I want to explain something to you. So the thinking of people among us, which is all of us, I want to share with you a few things. There are some specific duties that missionaries are called to do. Missionary duty number one is this, is they are to study and understand culture. You need to know the culture of your home, your workplace, your city. And it's because no missionary can ever be effective if they don't study and understand culture. Now, the second duty of missionaries is this. It is to do intentional ministry within the context of that culture. You see, in the culture that the missionary has studied, the missionary then devises tools and methodologies to reach those who are far from God. Missionaries know this. If the people can't relate to us, we can't reach them. For, for example, one of the things we've been intentional about as a church is we understand and, and recognize the culture of downtown Fort Worth. And, and so, therefore, we do very intentional ministry within the context of that culture. That's why this is not a cowboy church with straw on the ground and we're having a hoedown and you, you bring your horse up to the front. No, we'll let the people in Burleson do that. I love you Burlesonites, but you know, you know you wish you were closer here. But see, that's why we actually do ministry within the context of our culture. Like here at City Life, well, we have a coffee shop, and, and uh, we, we, we work with our local government, and, and we promote a thriving business mindset. That's, that's really who we are. We, we actually believe in excellence, okay? So, and here's a third one, a third part of what missionaries do, is they, ha they, they have to be faithful to the scriptures. They have to be faithful to God's word. So if you're a missionary, God's word, and this is important, it has to be clearly proclaimed and lived out. That's why we guys, as a, as, as a church, we must be faithful to what, all of God's word, to every bit of it. So think with me now, because if you try to do ministry in the context of the culture, but you never really study and understand the culture, then what happens is you're obtuse and you're irrelevant. It's kind of like wearing a tux and you're going out to, some, to, to, uh, to help a bunch of naked natives in the, uh, in the Amazon jungle. You know, that's just stupid. You're not a missionary. You're just annoying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? See, the only way to seek to understand a culture is to, is to make sure you're doing all three of these things. But sometimes people will just, uh, you know, there's sometimes, I'll just tell you, followers of Jesus, that, that they seek to understand the culture, and, and so they, they do, but they actually never do intentional ministry within the context of the culture, and basically that makes you a sociology student. I'm happy for sociology students, but I don't want to just learn, I want to do. You might know a lot, you might sound like you're in touch, you may have information, but you don't have application. Now, if you were a bunch of Bible college students, I'd be saying, come on, get with it. And they're like, yeah, in, in five years when I get out of school. I'm like, give me a break. All right, it's the same with us. If we have information, though, about the culture that we feel that we're supposed to influence, but we don't actually dive into and experience the context of the culture, then we've missed out. But, but I would also have to say, I think for us, one of the biggest challenges that we face is that is this one it, it's it's if you're in the context of the culture but you're not faithful to the word of god then you're actually not a good missionary because you're not representing jesus you're not making jesus known and then and guys i understand we're we're, we're city people here, but all the bettering that, that you're doing in your life and all the bettering that even Jesus is doing in your life, actually what it ends up being, it's all about self-consumption. You're really making Jesus all about you. 
So whether it's in your workplace or your home or your city, the truth is, is if the culture owns you, you are in bondage to it. As soon as you say, I'm addicted to... All right, hold on, guys. I'm addicted to this restaurant. I'm addicted to Netflix. I'm addicted to my career. I'm addicted to my paycheck. I'm addicted to education. I can't stop. I, anytime you say you're addicted to anything, whether it's a substance or an activity, the culture owns you. You are no longer influencing the culture. Shake it up. Think about it. If you got to have it, if you got to have it, unless it's food and water <laughs> and clothes, yeah. if you got to have it, you're addicted to it. Now, see, for us as a church, city life, we're called. Actually, part of our calling as a church is we're called to shift culture. And, and see, we've been changed by God. We are all being changed by God. We're being given a new year. We're provided a clean slate and a new heart. And why? It's all so that we can be effective ambassadors and missionaries as a congregation. So I, I want to tell you a little bit more about this because this is important about how we act around here. Because missionaries are really concerned about two things. And here they are. One is people meeting the God of the Bible. And second, shifting cultures. And it's actually both, not just one. This is important. And I, and I want to say this because I know every time we gather, we have a very, very mixed group. You might be here and you never even really know what church is about. And you, there are some of you, you've been going to church every day for the last 75 years. And I'm happy for you. But, but, but we, we need to understand this, that these two things are really, really important. So I want you to think about this. So let's say you live in a culture and you're a follower of Jesus where women are being beat down, oppressed, and mistreated. And everybody in that culture knows Jesus and calls themselves a follower of Jesus, but the women are still oppressed and mistreated. I'm telling you guys, that's not good enough. You have to change the culture. And how do you change the culture? You actually do it by getting into some people's lives around you. See, there's this thing that I call the prevailing evangelical cultural myth. And really, that, that basically means a myth that churchy people believe. And it's this, is that culture is the outflow of the individual human heart. It is a prevailing myth, and it's particularly powerful here in the United States of America, because we tend to believe this narrative that one person who is fully devoted to a cause can change the world. That is not the case, guys. I don't even, I don't preach that, but I know that it's, it's said quite a bit. But this is actually a Western cultural myth. It's prevalent throughout our society quite a bit, not just in the church, everywhere. In my parents' generation, it was the Lone Ranger. In my generation, <laughs> it was Rambo. In the next generation, it was Iron Man. I still can't figure out Iron Man, but, but most of us have bought into this. And we tend to believe this is that change starts within one person, and then it begins to infect and affect everyone around them. Not true. That's not the case. So... When the one person then doesn't affect culture because they're pursuing their cause and they're pursuing it and pursuing it and they don't see any change, then they get upset with God, they turn away from God. Or some of the more impassioned might say, well, what we need to do is we need to get more hearts to change and then the culture will follow. And so they do, do these things that we call mass evangelism. They, 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 uh, they get people to pray, just simply pray a prayer. If you can pray this little formulaic prayer, everything's going to be okay. And, and, but they don't worry about the social structures that are part of the community. They're only concerned about the individual hearts. And I'm telling you, what, that's, that's a problem. The, 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 the attitude has been historically is, well, let's 
let's just hold huge crusades and rent big arenas and, and let's preach out on the street, cor street corners. But guys, Christians have been doing that for 65 years and is America better culturally? The culture hasn't changed. No, it's actually gotten worse. It's more dangerous today than it was before. Hello. Here's what needs to happen, guys. God's people, we just need to have our collective hearts broken for our community and for our city for our homes because one person can't change the culture one person can't change the world now there's a secondary myth for for believers for evangelical believers and it's this is that human hearts will change when laws are enacted forcing people to act in moral ways now let's talk about that can we can we just talk today all right let, let's talk today because a lot of people who are christians will say we need to change laws and we need to impose new laws to force people to act in moral ways and then they will have heart change. Now, guys, please understand, I am in favor, fully in favor of laws that reflect the values of the scriptures, but laws do not change people. In fact, that's why, that's why Jesus came. He came because the Old Testament law couldn't change people. You see, Laws do not change people. Laws actually follow the hearts of people. It works this way in your home. It works at, it's at work. Or it's at, in your city. It's in the nation. Basically, it's like this. Let's say everybody is doing something. And let's say that something is really bad and it's wrong. And, but then the culture then votes for somebody who is going to represent their mindset. I know it's political season, but let's just talk about it. And, and, and we, we vote for people that represent our mindsets so that they will change the laws and make it okay for us to do what we're doing. But then what happens is a lot of times Christians in the culture get frustrated. But then again, that's what the voters wanted. So why they, they, they vote for the people then who come in and change the laws and they permit and they applaud what actually God forbids. But again, that is how people act who don't know Jesus. And it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, that's, that, that's, just, that's just reality. So laws really don't change people. Laws simply tend to follow the hearts of people. Now, I want you to think about this, though. Even good laws are disobeyed. So, well, if we get a bunch of good laws, everything's going to be... No, that, that doesn't change things. I mean, th think about this. The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, has more than 600 laws... Now, it's the scriptures, so, that those, so those laws are perfect, and they're good, and they're God-given laws. But did God's people obey them? No. They disobeyed them. So even when we have a good law, there's defiance against it. And it works that way in our culture. A good law is passed, but people don't obey it. Say, oh, yes, we do. Oh, no, you don't. I, I, I know I don't. There's this really good law that was passed recently because I drive up and down the Chisholm Trail Parkway. Any of you guys drive up and down? I love the Chisholm Trail Park. I don't like paying for it, but I love it. Nice, smooth road that takes me straight into my house and just like sleep. That's wonderful. But the speed limit was 50 miles per hour, and I was so excited because leaders stood up for the cause of getting something good passed in our city, and now the speed limit is 60 miles per hour on the Chisholm Trail Parkway, and I am so happy. So what do I do? I'll just, I'm confessing. Okay, guys, you, if you've hung around me a while, you know, I just, I'll just tell you like it is. I set my cruise for 62, and I break the law. Think about it. If that's a simple example, 
But even God's people don't obey good laws. Laws don't change the heart. I want to drive 90. Come on. <laughs> See, laws and rules never shift culture. So how does culture shift happen? It actually, it, it actually happens a very different way. And I just want to take a little bit from uh, a study of James Davison Hunter. He wrote this book called To Change the World. He's a sociologist. He's also a follower of Jesus. But he looks historically at how culture shifts have happened. And it's a very interesting book. And, 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 and it's basically this. Culture shifts this way. It's, it's not an individual nor a majority who actually define and shape culture. Really, it's a powerful minority. And the history of the Western world, according to his research, only hundreds or maybe even thousands of people are, are responsible for the totality of Western civilization. He goes on to describe and illustrate points by saying things like this. He says this. He says, most Christians would agree that culture is getting worse, right? The way it treats women with pornography and sex trafficking and even sexual assault. You would say it's getting worse that the murder of unborn innocent children, the fact that there's 60 million people, for example, 60 million people didn't get to vote in November's election. Every vote counts, every life counts. You know, it's time to, you, know, I, I, you know me when it comes to politics, I, I, you know, you're going to follow your convictions there. But the truth is, I mean, come on, we're killing our own. Like, Pastor, you can't talk about that. We, we have the right to kill. All I'm saying, guys, right here, 60 million people didn't vote because they were killed before they had the opportunity to. They, they didn't make it out of the womb. Now, our culture, therefore, take a look at that. Just step back now and look at it from the broad perspective. Our culture, therefore, is getting darker not better. So, what's on TV and, and even in movies and on the internet and what's happening to children and, 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 and even how men are very irresponsible in our culture, that's not as good as it used to be. It's not. So it is getting worse. So yet, yet still the majority of people who are believers in Christ will say, well, I believe, actually, actually the majority of Americans will say this. The majority of Americans say, I believe in God and I believe that the Bible is God's word. Yet, the majority, if they say they believe in God and say they believe in the scriptures, and uh, the question is then, how can the majority believe one thing, and, but everything that's happening in the culture is becoming worse? And, and conversely, this author, he researched uh, certain minority groups by percentage of the population, and, and he showed how some minority groups, as they would be called, actually have inordinate influence. For example, in the United States of America, about 3% of the people are Jewish, but they are a powerful block of people. That's the truth. There's, you know, what percentage of, uh, of the people, according to the most recent Gallup poll, uh, identifies themselves as homosexual? That's 3.4%. And that's not a huge number, but it's actually a very, very influential community of people. And so what he does is he, he uses these illustrations to point out this fact, and it's this. It's not one human heart that changes culture. It's actually a bunch of human hearts, even a minority of people, that change the culture. And that's what we can do. Guys, because you got the clean slate. Your past is behind you. Here around this church, we're being equipped for excellence. And we're taking a strong launch into this year. And you can make a difference in your culture. And it can happen through your local church. Some of you here, you're powerful. Some of some you have, have wealth. Others of you, you're gifted and you're amazingly talented. I know you guys. I mean, the majority of this church is very well educated. Some of you are highly successful. 
You don't boast about it, but it's the reality. And others of you, you're starting off and, and you have these huge dreams and these huge aspirations. And, 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 and the truth is, is that, that all of us want our lives to count. But God has put within every single one of us different gifts for different purposes. In fact, but the scripture does say that whoever gets a lot is responsible for a lot. Scripture does say this, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much is what? Required. Some of you may be on your way, you're still young and st you're still determining your pathway. You may need a new follower of Jesus. Maybe you're right now making life choices that are, going to reach, that are just going to shape your future. But regardless of where you are, I strongly admonish you to even see your vocation and your work as part of your mission. Because guys, you're an ambassador for God. You're a missionary. That's why you should study hard and work hard and excel. That's why you should grow your business and maximize your opportunities and increase the sphere of your relational influence. And at the same time, we're a church, though. We're, we're a family. We strive to be a healthy family. So what we do around here is we pray for each other. We love each other when we're down. We love you when you're up. We don't give you a, a nudge and a kick and, 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 and snub our noses at you when you're going through a tough time. No, what we do is we serve each other. We don't judge one another regardless of where you are positioned in the culture. So here's what I want us to do as we move into 2017. I'm going to ask you to simply be cheerleaders of one another this whole year. Let's just start that off and make the choice. You're not going to be critical of the other person because we are all missionaries in a dark culture. What we do is not easy by any means, but what we do, it's right, it's biblical, and it is critical to making Jesus known in downtown Fort Worth. You guys who've been through partnership, you've heard me talk about this. We have a responsibility to clean the cultural river that flows out of this city because culture is created in the hearts of America's largest cities. Case closed. Culture is not created in Gun Barrel City. It's created in the hearts of the largest cities where you're sitting right now. So what we do is we recognize this, and so what we do is we just simply touch people in the neighborhood with the life of Jesus individually and collectively we do it with intention ultimately all of this just simply points to jesus who himself came into a dark culture he left heaven and he came to earth and that's what the whole celebration of christmas was about last month and what jesus did is jesus came and joined a people he spoke their language jesus lived in a culture he went to their feasts and went to their festivals and jesus was known mockingly by the other churchy folks as a friend of sinners and then jesus establishes a minority of people who literally changed the culture jesus was without sin yet he was also a missionary and he called people to repentance they tried to kill him and they tried to do him in and they did kill him and then he died and at the same time it was a day of mourning and also, it was a day of rejoicing. It's the paradox of, of the cross that we killed God, but through his death, he gave us life. And then Jesus rises from the grave, and he rises from the dead right there in that great city of Jerusalem. It's kind of interesting, guys, because Jesus started rural. Let me say very rural and a stable in a dumpy little town called Bethlehem. But he 
went to where things were really moving. And he knew he had to go to Jerusalem if he was going to impact things. Think about it. Born in a small town stable, then hailed as the king of the world in the heart of Jerusalem. Jesus is our pattern. And so we do what he did. So we influence people. Jesus poured himself into a small group of, of people. We call that discipleship. The Holy Spirit flooded into their lives and the world has not been the same since. So guys, here's the question. What is it that you're called to do? What are the passions that need to be unlocked in your heart? What is the junk from 2016 that you need to jettison? What can you truly do to launch yourself into this new year a solid way? And I ask even those questions for us collectively as a church as well. I mean, what culture is going to be changed because of you? Are, are you really willing to make Jesus known? Do you really desire that the blessing of God, those words that we speak over you at the close of each gathering, that those words that are spoken over you will, will go into your life so that you can make a difference and shift culture? The truth is, at the end of this life, you're going to stand before Jesus just like me, every one of us, on equal footing. But what I want him to say to me, and what I want him to say to you is, well done. You've been a good and faithful servant. I want you to enter into the joy and the rest that I prepared for you. So church, as your pastor, I want to walk with you. I want to equip you. I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want to enable you to be part of something that God has been preparing in downtown Fort Worth since even the day I was born, and I believe that. What is it even that you have been prepared for since the day you were born? See, I, I know this because I'm a pastor that God actually wants me to, to even empower you. And, and, and God wants to empower me and God wants to empower us to do even greater works than Jesus because the Bible tells us so. It's interesting because over the past week, I, a couple of weeks I've been reading a book. It's a really interesting book called Dead Wake. And um, it's a very popular best-selling book, but it's a powerful narrative of the sinking of the Lusitania in the year 1915, 202 years ago, and the sinking of this ship through America into World War I. None of us were there, but we learned a little bit about it in history, but I picked up this book thinking, I want to go deep. I want to get into the guts of this story and kind of forget about everything that's around me, but I was amazed at the story. See, because this massive passenger liner had almost 2,000 people on board and they were sunk by a torpedo fired from a, a German U-boat almost called it a U-2 boat but that, that would have been a band but then the ship went down the, the ship went down in 20 minutes the book goes into great detail of what happened leading up to that what happened there you see Hardly any passengers had time to get onto their lifeboats. Most couldn't even return to their room to get their life jackets, and those that did put them on wrong. And there, there was this mass panic on the deck because the ship was sinking fast, and it was considered to be, like the Titanic, unsinkable. The panic was ensuing because the culture was in turmoil. But something amazing happened on the deck of that ship in those final moments I didn't know this, but I found out there were some followers of Jesus that just felt called to shift the culture, and they began calling on people to give their lives to Jesus. Hundreds, hundreds of people over there on the deck of the ship. Finally, as the ship was about to go under, 
in this state of its final demise, it was very sure it was happening. The ship was going down. These culture-shifting passengers began singing. And the eyewitnesses, the people who survived, they said that, that it was like a supernatural calm that just flooded the deck as the ship began to sink deeper. Hundreds of men, women, and children began singing to Jesus. And they sang a song that I never sung in church. But it was a song that was popular back in those days. A song called Abide With Me. Now some of you have faced huge adversity in 2016. For some of you things shifted in a way that you didn't expect. With Jesus by your side and Jesus in front of you, abiding with you, you can enter into 2017 a different person because he is abiding with you. And the adversities of your life, they are not who you are. It's not your identity. For you, my friend, you are designed by God to reverse these adversities. You are designed by God to shift culture and to become a part of something great. Last year, so many of you wrote out your faith visions, your faith dreams for miracles in your life that you want to see happen. And I'm still praying over your cards, guys. I'm praying that over the next two years, there's going to be some massive change happening in progress. But it will also happen within our church. And we built a strong foundation since we planted the church and now we're pressing forward with huge faith and, and this local church, City Life, this local church will do unbelievable culture shifting for Jesus in ways we can't even imagine because sex trafficking doesn't need to be happening in our city. We don't need to see the murders and the rapes. We don't need to see men neglecting manhood to live as males. And what God does in this church, He does in your life. I want you to leave 2016 in your past and just choose to cut off all the excess baggage because 2017 is here, my friend, and you are not defined by your past. You are a change agent for your future, and God wants to do amazing things through you so you can make Jesus known like never before. And I want that for me. I want that for you. I want that for city life. I want you guys to come with me on this journey in 2017. I want you to commit yourself to being in church every Sunday. Just do it and begin to watch what will happen in your life because God has a bright future for you as you launch into your future and as you surrender everything to Jesus and let him abide with you. Shift the culture of your own life first and watch what God will do all around you. I'd like for no moment to happen in this room at this time because this is really the most important part of this day. Leaders, I'd like for you to pray with me and I want to ask everyone to just focus internally and do so just by closing your eyes, just to lock out the distractions around you. Maybe some of you are here today and you've never really even surrendered your life completely to Jesus. Maybe it was because of fear or misunderstanding or thought that you were committing to religion, and but no, it's to Jesus. Maybe over the course of life you've... you've uh, You've drifted from your relationship with God. But if you want to know this Jesus that we talk about, and you, you, you want a new beginning, and you want to live with a new sense of purpose, you want to embrace that purpose, then I'm just simply going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, 
I'm going to ask you to very simply lift your hand so that I can see it. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life eternal and everything can change today. Would you just say, Pastor, that's me. And I want to pray today with everyone else. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready for Jesus to abide with me. Just lift your hand so that I can see you, please. Just lift your hand because I want to pray with you. I want to lock my faith with you. Just lift your hand. That's me. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Just what I want us to do. I, I, if you raise your hand, I, I'm just going to ask that you, along with everyone else in this room, pray these simple words with me. In fact, church, will you, will you guys all stand? Would you simply pray these words with me, everyone in this room? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. For today I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. Jesus, I choose to let you love me. And I will love you in return. Thank you for abiding with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.